welcome to All The Frogs, the podcast where we dissect the dating scene, covering everything from first dates to heartbreak and all that's in between. We're your hosts, Lee and Jules, and between us, we've literally met all the frogs out there. And that makes us the most qualified, unqualified pair to share our dating advice. Join us each week as we navigate single life exploring the highs and lows of dating and chatting about the lessons learned along the way. This is All The Frogs. Let's jump on into the episode. By jumping on in, we're actually going to jump back a little to our Red Flag Bingo episode. We took a break last week for some travel chat. Yeah, got a bit spicy on our travels and our dirty rose-coloured glasses. <laughs> but in our Red Flag episode, we talked a lot about hindsight and the value of hindsight and really how we know that we've reached that moment of hindsight is through that aha moment, that epiphany that, oh, my God, what the actual fuck? What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's all about that moment where it turns, when suddenly yep. you realise that you were collecting a fucking bunting of red flags. And I did have to Google what a collection of red flags was called, but just so you all know, it's a bunting. <laughs> and I've I said bunting to you to the other day. Well, I have, a, I have many buntings. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully a bunting of green ones in our futures for everyone out there. Yeah. But we really want to talk about these aha moments, these epiphanies and how you respond to that epiphany and use that epiphany to move forward, take on board those lessons. And so that hopefully you're not collecting so many red flags in the future and you can spot them easier when the time comes. Yeah. And I guess you could say that the red flags are kind of like these mini epiphanies that <laughs> you're ignoring on the way to your like big massive epiphany that ultimately gets you off that road that was leading you in the kind of wrong direction. I think we should have like a swear jar equivalent for every time one of us says something sexual because you just said get off. <laughs> <laughs> you would get rich. I I have one dollar in my jar. So we're looking <laughs> for a sponsor off. for our Dirty Talk swear jar. I do. <laughs> Anyone's out there, hit us up. So these epiphanies, I think we've all had them in some way or another and certainly had these micro mini epiphanies, if you will. Yeah. If you all know a red flag, and you all do, you all know these moments that we're talking about. I've got a really big one. Okay. I'm just going to jump right on in. Yeah, jump jump on in. We're ready. Yeah. So it's, it's a really uncomfortable story, but it kind of leads on from our travel app last week. So it was about that guy I was dating who had a travel romance overseas and just forgot to tell me about it. Yeah. And I mentioned that, that for you. I know that minor details. And I mentioned how you know, I did end up dating him again. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was being really wise going into that next, into dating him again. Like I was being really strong and in terms of like setting my boundaries and, you know, we're just going to date properly and take it slow and get to know each other again and reestablish this connection. Yeah. Fool me once. Yeah. Fool me, me twice. You're not fooling me twice. Like I'm smarter here. And so we kind of went back to like old school dating, if you will, and we took things really slow and so we weren't mm -hmm. sleeping together. He was also working interstate at the time, sort of coming back and forth. We hadn't also had a conversation about if we were seeing other people in that re-getting-to-know-each-other phase. So neither of us were pure, but our intentions, <laughs> I guess, were there for our 
uh, for moving forward and seeing what would happen second time around. I actually think that when you're seeing other people at the same time, it can kind of take the pressure off the main relationship or the main person that you're interested in. You're a bit more relaxed about the whole thing. I think you're about to find out that I was way too relaxed and it bit me on the arm. <laughs> but hey, so we were in this like reconnection, re-getting to know each other. And during the course of this, he opened up quite a lot. And then I opened his bathroom drawer one day and discovered an ice pipe. <gasps> oh, that took a turn, didn't it? Oh yeah, that's not what I expected there. <laughs> so while we he was opening up these things, he didn't disclose that, but it did explain a lot of the behaviours that I was witnessing and trying to respond to and work out how I respond to that. So that discovery triggered like a whole lot of conversations and you're trying to get to know him again and this other level and this other side of his life that he had been hiding from me. We then had a time... So can he... I just clarify, that wasn't your epiphany moment when you found the crime no. pipe? Uh, no, okay. it, it should have been. Red yeah. flag. That is a red flag. Mm, yeah, you could wear that flag as a gown. It's so large. <laughs> <laughs> I took that as a, this person's opened up to me in other ways. I like this person. I want to support this person. This person's obviously struggling and yeah. I could run away, but I have invested time in getting to know this person. So I will support them here. And that started a conversation for us. Right. And I think we both love a project. We do. We do love a project. (laughs) Helping a wounded soul. For me, that opened up that nurturing, caring side. For him, that opened up an opportunity to manipulate and take advantage of that aspect of me. And I see that now. Didn't see that in hindsight. Also, it was not the epiphany moment. Um, (laughs) Flash forward to a few weeks later and... He's coming back from working interstate. He's coming over to my house after having dinner with his some of his friends. He arrives in what I can only describe as an ice fueled rage. And I was extremely, yeah, it was really uncomfortable. I was in my, I lived alone in my apartment alone and he was off his head. When you say off his head, like, what do you mean? Very abusive in a mean, mean way, like abusive with his words. It made me feel really uncomfortable. Was demanding sex and Ugh. didn't get it and was demanding it in a very disgusting way in the way he was speaking to me. I felt yeah. extremely uncomfortable. I tried to like avoid the scenario. The normal thing to do would be like kick him out, but I felt so threatened by his behavior that I didn't feel that I was safe enough to ask him to do that. Yeah. I mean, I can absolutely understand that. You have no idea what he could do. Couldn't predict what his behavior was going to be. So instead I locked myself in the bathroom. He stayed the night. It was the most uncomfortable few hours. I couldn't sleep. I was messed. Did you leave the bathroom? I left the bathroom when he eventually went to bed. Right. So what happened next? The next day he gets up, he has a shower, he flashes himself nude at me and again tries to demand sex and so on. I just go along with it. In not not the sex part, didn't do that, but just you no. try to placate the behaviour to minimise it and basically do as much as I could to move him along to get him out of the house. That also included, there's a theme here, me driving him home. 
<laughs> when will I learn? <laughs> okay, I surely you've learnt your lesson about. I that have absolutely learnt my lesson. And when I drove home and I got in the house and I like completely broke down, mm. that was my epiphany moment of what have I done to let myself get into this situation? I have been vulnerable with someone, but at the same time, I've lost who I am at the expense of Mm. trying to rescue them. And I've put myself in danger. I should have called the police. I'm not going to go into the other details there, but it was worthy of a police phone call. You absolutely should have, but you didn't, did you? I didn't because I, I didn't put myself first. In that moment, in response to that, I knew that I had to change and move forward from that and I could look back in hindsight and see <laughs> all those mini red flags, those mini epiphanies that I had had where I questioned that things weren't right and I really disappointed in myself that I let it get to such a big epiphany to realise that I deserve better. I hate that you say that though because it shouldn't be your responsibility to make sure that someone treats you well. No. I mean, it is interesting. There were a lot of signs there and mm. I think we often overlook those and we, we talked about that with the Red Flags episode and how how we look past things. But then it sounds like for you, this epiphany was a double epiphany. It was mm. an epiphany about him not being right for you Mm -hmm. and it took you getting to that stage to realise that he wasn't right for you but it was also an epiphany about what you deserved and what you thought you needed to be to attract that. And me sharing this is not for a pity party. It is for other people to learn and to recognise that and to please don't get yourself to the point that I did in order to have that Mm. moment, that epiphany to realise what you truly deserve to enter into your own life. And you don't even need someone to enter into your own life to be awesome and respected. You can bring that to yourself as well. And I didn't have that. I feel that I didn't have that because I let that in. So if I had better self-worth at that time and better care for me as a person, I don't think I would have let myself in that scenario. So I might add, it was quite some time ago and you were less experienced with spotting red flags and having those epiphanies, even if there were a few. Bloody explosion of epiphanies there. <laughs> that I honestly, I can, I look back at that moment so often and think about how far I've come mm. and that I, I know that I never want to get myself back to that moment. So for me, it is a real, it's a pivotal moment in my journey of self-worth and love and also in dating as well. Yeah. I mean, it's a that's a big, heavy story, and you know, I think our listeners are probably used to a bit of a laugh. Unfortunately, there's another heavy story coming. <laughs> so, Sorry, guys. Strap in. You know, epiphanies don't always have to be these, like, massive events that happen in your life, like this situation for you and, like, the story in the story that I'm going to tell shortly. But, you know, it can just be stuff like you spend the weekend with them And you get home and you just feel exhausted. Hmm. And then you think, fuck, why do I feel so tired after spending (laughs) spending time with this person? Like I should feel energized. Or you realize that you're not valued in a relationship. So something clicks and you're like, oh, hold on. You don't value me in the way that I thought you did. And also I think the low key version of an epiphany is the ick. You're absolutely right. How many times do you get the ick? Yeah, and then you you can't come back from the ick. No. 
It's like, for me, if I see a man with long fingernails, I might have gone on a date with him before and not noticed, but that's the next day if I see that there's long fingernails, ick, sorry. Everything yeah. that happened noticing that, ick. I mean, you can get the ick about the dumbest stuff, oh. can't you? Yeah. And and then you, you absolutely just cannot come back. I've definitely got the ick from, like, he snores funny or uh, he might eat with his mouth open or he might interrupt me when I, I speak you know you like get the ick from me because I do that all the time we're, t- we're trying to record over zoom it's tricky <laughs> like I have noticed we talk over each other a bit more than usual <laughs> we're doing our best yeah so Lee tell us your epiphany well should I go back to the beginning go because on. the week before last I sort of alluded to my most recent relationship and he had a secret and I found out in a really uncomfortable way from a family member. And to kind of explain what the secret was, I have to go back. We're going back six, seven years ago. And we used to go to trivia every Tuesday. The host of that trivia was this guy who ended up getting my number through one of the trivia games that we play and asked me out. And I thought, oh, yeah, he's pretty cute. We started dating. We would see each other quite a bit, like several times a week. And about three months in, he tells me that he's actually married, but separated, but they're living together because she's pregnant with their child. (laughs) Uh, Boy be dropping bombs left, right and centre. Anyway, I was what, mid to late 20s, I suppose. I can't even do the math in my head like literally in the middle of the mid and the late of the 20s. And uh, I thought at the time I was like, wow, that's that's a lot, but I don't really see how that could affect me in the slightest. So I just kept seeing him because I was naive and, you know, was having a good time. So fast forward maybe three months, we're still seeing each other, but I'm sort of, I suppose you could say back then, pocketed I was pocketed back then as well if you don't know what that means listen to episode four four. so I I was sort of raising it with him like I you know I don't really feel like I'm included in your life you're included in my life he would say oh I'm making so much effort though but once the child was born you know he would stay over till say 4am and then he'd go home and to help with morning routine and stuff and I was kind of like I really at this point in my life, feel like I should be a priority in a relationship that I'm in. And I don't feel like I'm anywhere near a priority here. I'm in someone's back pocket. uh, And this isn't what I want for myself. So I ended it. Many, many, many years later, so more recently, obviously, our paths cross again. And we've sort of kept in touch over the years as friends. Uh, Turns out he got back together with his ex-wife who he had separated from and they had another child. So they had two kids now. Um, And then they separated again. When we reconnected, they were separated and him and I actually started dating. Again, it moved pretty quick. They hadn't separated long before we got together. And so he was living with his sister, which meant he stayed at my house a lot, like basically moved in like that dating disaster that we told last week. Luckily, I didn't. I got the key back when he moved out. And then he did eventually move in. But all during that time, again, I wasn't included in his life. And I think I said when I spoke about this the week before last that, 
you know, I suspected it was because we'd started dating quite soon after his ex and him broke up and maybe he felt uncomfortable about that and didn't want me to meet family and friends yet. And so I let it slide. And then I eventually got invited to this family friends event where I met his parents and I was talking to one of his sisters who I also hadn't met before. And she was asking me a bit about like the history of our relationship and, you know, how things were going. And that's a really the natural story... as well. To exactly. Like, it's Absolutely. Like, oh, how did you guys meet? Like, how do you know my brother? Like, how did you fall in love? Like you ask yes. those questions. And you know that the story of how we met and then reconnected is like my favorite thing in the world, yeah. because I, th- I thought it was like a fairy tale, right? Like, oh, we found each other again after all these years and he's my person. And I, mm. like, I was obsessed. I, I really thought that this guy was my forever. I don't even believe in forever anymore. (laughs) I'm bitter and twisted. Now the forever is about finding yourself. Yes. Yes, I was talking to her. And, of course, when she asked about how things were going and how we met and all that stuff, I launched into the fairy tale story again. Well, you know, we used to date six, seven years ago, you know, when him and his ex were separated. And she kind of looked at me funny and she was like, when was that? And I said, oh, you know, six, seven years ago before their first child was born. And she looked at me funny again. And I was like, what? And she just goes, they've never been separated. Dun, dun. And yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And I was just, I mean, guys, Jules has heard this story a million times, which is why you're not even going to get a pretend shocked noise <laughs> because <laughs> she's heard it so many times. I mean, that's the first epiphany, right? Or maybe there were some prior ones, but that was kind of number one. That's a big hit, big, big hit. Yeah. So then I confronted him about that. And I must say, I handled it brilliantly. I so was you very confronted calm. him at the event you were at, just so that everyone's clear. Yeah. This was in a public forum where the confrontation. Yeah. I went up to him and I said, oh, can we have a chat? And we actually went out the front of this place and we were sitting in his car. And I said, oh, look, your sister's just told me this. And he said, oh, well, she didn't know. Like, we didn't really tell people that we were separated. Mm. And it just didn't feel right. And so I, I said to him, look, if you're lying to me, we're done. That's it. If you tell me the truth, we might be able to move past it. But yeah. if you're lying, we're done. And he just goes, yeah, okay, we weren't separated. So he just, just admits it. So he just lied to me again at that moment. Hate him. So that should have been second epiphany. Yeah. Right? collecting them. Yeah, I've got my bunting. <laughs> trailing behind me as I move through all my epiphanies. I mean, they should um, be, these should be huge epiphanies, but in for you they were mini epiphanies. Yeah, but I mean, the ultimate epiphany wasn't actually like a surprise. It was something that I had to work towards. So then what happened was we went home. The next day we sat down to talk about it. And I'm still thinking, okay, I think I can get past this. I almost felt relieved because it kind of explained why you'd been pocketed. I couldn't break through. Yeah, it explained a lot of stuff. And so I was like, okay, so now we can move forward. Now we can be together properly because I know this one thing. And so then when we sat down to talk about it, he didn't ask me how I was feeling. He didn't ask me how affected I was by this and what I wanted. He said, oh, what are people going to think about me if they find out about this? So he's already planning like his next step of how to hide it. Meanwhile, he has no understanding that he subconsciously made 
you the other woman. He spun you a whole different story to the truth that was occurring. And then when you reconnected, he's perpetuated that lie from years ago. Yeah, with multiple ongoing tiny little white lies right Mm. like because we would constantly talk about the past and what had happened in between and so he had to consistently lie about that the other thing that he said when we were talking when I said how are you feeling he said angry you know who he was angry at his sister for telling me that they hadn't been separated. Like she knew that she was withholding information from me that I didn't know. That conversation, again, should have been an epiphany. It wasn't. I then consistently tried to work through it with him, but the more I tried to engage, the more he actually retreated. It was kind of like he'd been caught out and now he didn't want to try. He was done. He was running away. Yeah, he ran away. So then he ran, he literally ran away um, to his beach house (laughs) where he stayed for like a week and a half. We were supposed to go there together for Easter. He told me I couldn't come anymore because he needed to think about what he wanted um, and what was right for him. And while he Uh, was away, was there any communication or any like checking in or updates or anything like that? Nothing. The only communication I had from him was him spending money from our joint bank account. (laughs) (laughs) there was nothing and then he came back he didn't actually tell me when he was coming back but he eventually came back and we sat down and I said right you've had some time to think where are you at and he said I really don't know and that moment then was my massive epiphany and I just said give me your keys and leave like we're done yeah. And until he said that in that moment, I had no idea what I was going to do. I still thought maybe I could make it work. I remember I, you were really like trying to take us as your friends on the journey with the, this could work. And yeah. at that moment, well, in those moments from when it, you first told me it happened, I really tried to take you on the journey that it's over. <laughs> the opposite way. <laughs> and push you yeah. towards the epiphany. I knew, like I was having these conversations with other people as well. And I knew when I was saying to you guys, I know that it's probably over, but I can't say it's over yet. I'm not mm. ready. But when that epiphany came, I was I was so ready. I was beyond ready. But I just find it so interesting that there were so many horrible circumstances that led to that. Yeah. But it was that one moment. It's the build-up. Like you've collected them all at that and it's that cumulative effect that leads to yeah, that final yeah. epiphany as well. It's interesting, like you have, which I can resemble in my own breakup, absolutely not as extreme as this. <laughs> in terms of you fight for it because you love the person. And so you mm. give it everything you've got. And when that's not being met, you're depleted in the end. And it's like the straw that broke the camel's back. It's... Yeah. The minor comment, the lack of effort, that last little bit, and you go, you know what? That's the blow up moment. I am done and I can walk away. One of my friends, she broke up with her partner around the same time and she really struggled with letting go. And she kept saying to me, I don't understand how you're so okay to just not speak to him because I haven't spoken to him since. Mm. I said, well, it's because he doesn't exist anymore really like what I realized when I had that epiphany is one he really didn't give a shit about me or see any kind of future with me because if he had he wouldn't have kept that secret for a year because at some point I had to meet his family and I would Mm -hmm. find out exactly yeah and two he's not a good person because what kind of person cheats on their pregnant wife for starters 
or leaves their wife at home with a newborn overnight. Yeah. Consistently yeah. while they date someone else who they also haven't told. It's all yeah. levels messed up. All levels. Yeah. So that is my epiphany. <laughs> and like I said, it's not necessarily going to be some massive event like what you and I have described. It can be much, much smaller things. And just like red flags, we have to keep our eyes open. <laughs> and then we have to sit with the aftermath from that epiphany mm. and take the moment and the time to reflect on what got us there to that. And that is this hindsight. That is where we can sit back and see those red flags, see those mini epiphanies and hopefully learn something from them that we can take into and grow in whatever comes in our future. Yeah. And the aftermath, guys, it's pretty uncomfortable sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it might lead you to start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but if you do the work and you invest in yourself, to move forward, great things are come from that. Yeah. And we've covered so many things already on this podcast that actually kind of touch on the aftermath, you know, the, the rebounding, how do you know you're ready and how do you get back out there and how do you reflect on red flags? We've equipped you. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking you on that journey with us. And hopefully by sharing these big epiphanies with you today, and you've listened to our other apps, you can see why we started all the frogs, why this was such a powerful moment to do so in our lives and it's because mm. in this aftermath of these epic moments we've learned so much and we've come out the other side feeling so strong and positive about ourselves and the journey forward from these that we want to bring yeah. back to our friends out there all our wonderful friends <laughs> wow we we got a little bit like heavy didn't we? I was about to say hot and heavy. I just cannot stop myself from sex analogies. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the shape of the microphone in front of me. It's just sending me off on... Phallical. Is it? Is yeah. that the word, phallic? It's quite phallic. Just leaning into the European way, guys. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sitting in the boardroom at work, <laughs> <laughs> talking all things sex and dating. Love it. Okay. I don't know about you, Jules, but I am sick of talking about myself. So I think we should do things a little differently this week. Uh, we're going to skip tried and tested and we're going to hear from you instead. So take it away, Jules. Today's ep is all about those epiphanies, those aha moments. So we put it out to our listeners, asking them, when was the moment that you realised you were done? And we got some very interesting responses. <laughs> yeah, we sure did. And I cannot wait to share these. Do you want to go first? Yeah, okay, I'll go first. I'll read one out from our listeners. I'm going to keep them anonymous because, you know, we all love a bit of privacy, even though Lee and I, we're being pretty open, aren't we? Mm, some might argue too open. So our first one here is when after two years of dating, my mum said, that's the first time I've seen him hug you. Okay, that's pretty concerning. I know, in two years, like what the actual... <laughs> Oh, dear. This just actually makes me a bit sad. Two years for the epiphany to happen. Two years of what sounds like very limited hugs. Look, it's better late than never. True, true. Okay, another one. Wanting to sleep with exes and then doing it. I'm sorry. There's, like, so much wrong with this scenario. So, firstly, they have vocalised to our listener that they want to sleep with an ex or exes, like there's plural here. Like who has more than one ex that they want to sleep with? Yeah, plural, plural. 
And that wasn't the aha moment. The aha moment was when they went and actually did it. Like, what the hell? Why are we staying with these people and putting up with this? Like, Well, we're not, Once, but once we have our epiphany and no sooner. <laughs> okay, give us another one. One of my favourite things to do with someone that you are newly getting to know, dating or like even like friends, I love look, looking at this. You just love an investigation. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm bit of a creep tendency. Like a detective tendency. I know. Bit of a creep, but, you know, this, it's quite insightful, I think. Like, so what I like to do is look at people's Spotify, like top 100s or, you know, their yearly rap and see what sort of music they're into. Love also seeing what podcast people are listening to. We obviously love podcasts. Here we are today. <laughs> Massive fans, massive fans. Um, so this listener writes in and it's actually their aha moment has to do with podcasts. They found out that he listened, like actively chose to listen to not only Joe Rogan's podcast, Ugh. but when Jordan Peterson was a guest on Joe Rogan's podcast. I assume we all know who Joe Rogan is, but what about Jordan Peterson? They're like, all I really know about him is that he is a misogynist and there's like a lot of controversy around him. Do you know much about Jordan Peterson? I actually didn't and there was no way that I was going to subject myself to that podcast to um, figure him out. But I did go and look at some of his best one-liners from the podcast with Joe Rogan. This is some, some of the things he said. There's no such thing as climate. More people die every day from solar energy than die from nuclear energy. There isn't any hunger in the world that isn't caused by political conflict. Everyone has enough to eat. Universal basic income is unworkable because monkeys like to get drunk. Like, this guy sounds like a lunatic and way more than a misogynist. He seems to have pretty strong views on quite a few different things. Anyway, I think it's safe to say that if I was dating someone, found out they listened to either of these men on any podcast, I'd run a mile. <laughs> Our listener writes, he told me he loved me drunk on New Year's Eve after two weeks. <laughs> Absolutely second that ick. Like, that is just way, 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 way too much. Who's dropping the L-bombs, like, straight out? Literally no one. And, like, drunk on New Year's. It's, that's bad at any time. I would just be, like, automatically thinking, why are you so keen? What's up? Bit of love bombing, I think, this one is. Big moments on New Year's, in my opinion, are bad at any time, <laughs> let alone after two weeks when you're dropping an album. Like, seriously, <laughs> no. This one I love. It's, like, all about the double lives. Ooh, okay. I'm ready. I discovered she had a second Instagram account that was all lies. Huh? So a whole other life. Like this whole other, like, I'm pretending to be somebody else and I have a whole other persona out there on the internet. Like, what the actual fuck? And why? I know. Like, I want to know more. Was she seeing other people? Like, why do you have to have a second Instagram life? Did she have a second real life? Will we ever know? Listener? Please write in, tell us more. We want to know. <laughs> now, we know things don't always go to plan in dating life. So each week, we'll bring you the best of the worst, cringiest and hilarious dating adventures of ourselves and our <laughs> listeners. 
<laughs> We've got quite the collection of dating disasters, don't we? They're never ending. <laughs> So today we've talked about epiphanies and we've also talked about the aftermath. And I think we both have a dating disaster about an epiphany in the aftermath. <laughs> that we do. <laughs> so I'll go first. I'll pick us off here. Okay. I was dating this guy who lived interstate. He was like, I put it down to the fact that he lived interstate, but he was quite intense and overwhelming with his affection. Like for mm. Valentine's Day, which I hate Valentine's Day, sent me a box of long stem red roses and chocolates to my workplace. I wanted to curl up in a ball and die. Like it's so not That's me. Old. Yeah, but if you know me, you know I'm not into that shit. So it was really awkward and uncomfortable. But I just put it down to the, you know, we were casually dating, very casual, uh, interstate. And then he was really clingy. And I was like, this is too much. I feel smothered. Like I'm not about this. This is over done I don't, I don't yep. think we got to the three month mark no <laughs> I did meet him though <laughs> yeah you did actually meet him um so it ended fast forward to a few months later after it ends and this news article comes out that his name didn't it turns out that he had been misappropriating medications and abusing his role and I can talk about this. His name was named in a public news article. So, like, it's no big secret here, guys. So um, his role was in healthcare. He was in healthcare. He had access yep. to medications and he abused the medications. While I was dating him, he was going through these proceedings to fight all the um, barriers that had been put on and restrictions that had been put on his registration. And I never knew any of it. You never clued in. Never clued in. He never mentioned any of it. I mean, it's a pretty big thing to drop that, you know, by the way, I'm being investigated by the health practitioner board because I misused drugs. Yeah, well, but it's also like a pretty big thing in your life. So you'd think, think like you would be asking him, how was your day? What did you get up to? You know, normally you'd reply like oh, I went to court today because <laughs> I got in trouble for doing drugs. I mean, it was kind of like finding out about the other guy I dated who threw someone onto train tracks. I mean, maybe I have this <laughs> secret fetish for reformed criminals or something. I don't know. I mean, the second one wasn't reformed. No. <laughs> he was doing it at the time. Process. Uh, but, yeah, this was all named and came out and actually couldn't work as a health professional anymore That in any setting to do with medications Yeah. as a result, which is massive absolutely massive it's like being a lawyer and you're like oh sorry not allowed to work in law anymore well it happens more often than you think yeah. <laughs> for yeah. a multitude of reasons I think that the epiphany for me when I saw that was like wow like this guy was love bombing and clingy to compensate and hide for the fact that really underneath there was a fucked up person and like you really actually didn't know who he was no, at no. all. No, it was all this smoke and mirrors of overwhelming affection to cover who he was. And really then he didn't make any effort to really know me because if he did, he'd know that I'm not into that stuff as well. So I'm now really cautious about overwhelming intensity and love bombing because I'm like, what are you hiding? What is, what's underneath this? Yeah, well, I mean, we know that really love bombing can be like the start to some kind of manipulation and things too, right? So, 
yeah oh red flag <laughs> I count my blessings that I cut out of that one early I just find it so crazy that they can hide things so well from us they, they can hide it so well and I am an amazing internet sleuth like I literally can't yeah. think about anyone my boss says to me and she'll love that she gets her mention that it should be on my CV I'm that good at finding stuff out my when I worked at a law firm, my boss used to get me to track down contact details for people that he wanted to wine and dine because he was a partner of the law firm. Because <laughs> he knew how good I was at uh, detective work. Every single girl's secret strategy is being the ultimate internet sleuth for each other as well. Mine. Yeah, what have you got? I was a bit more serious with this guy, so we were seeing each other for about two years and we lived together for about one year of that in COVID. So we lived in this two bedroom apartment and it was during the absolute worst point of COVID where Melbourne's in stage four lockdowns and, you know, you can't even leave the house except for your little walk around the block (laughs) once a day. So we were spending a lot of time together. In that time, our relationship kind of fizzled and actually the breakup point came when I was looking for a house, bought a house in COVID. And then when it was time to start packing up the stuff, I literally sat him down and said, should I pack up your stuff (laughs) as well? Or will we be going our separate ways? Like, I think it was kind of understood at at that point. And he said, oh, you know, um, probably pack our stuff separately. And it was all very amicable. Anyway, the next day he comes out and he says, oh, I've, I've just been offered this job in Canada. So he was Canadian. So he decided to go back to Canada. Fine, no problem. But he'd been offered a job. And I've, my initial thought was, yeah, sure. Like men are always handing each other jobs and yeah, it's probably it. some like shitty construction job or whatever. And then he said, oh, can you review my contract for me? So I was like, yeah, okay. So I'm looking at it and it's a proper contract and the salary was something like, 250,000 US dollars. Bloody hell. And I had an epiphany at that moment when I realized this is not the kind of job that your mate hands you when he finds out you're coming back to Canada the day before. This is the kind of job that you interview for, for weeks, even months, multiple interviews. Yet we have been locked down in my apartment together. So He's he's had to actively hide that he's been interviewing for a job in Canada <laughs> all this time. Like, isn't that crazy? It's insane. I like to think I'm pretty aware, but somehow but he I was not aware of that. So he really scheduled in his job interview times for when you were out doing your one-hour walk that was allowed every day. We did them together. That's the weird thing. I think he must have been sneaking out of bed during the night and having those interviews. Far out. And, and that was before we decided to go our opposite yeah. ways, right? So we're still together <laughs> and he's interviewing secretly for jobs in Canada. That would have been the ultimate ghosting if I hadn't ended it. <laughs> What's going to do if you, you had said, like, pack up your stuff and let's go and you hadn't had that conversation? Like, what? He's just going to get up in the middle of the night one day and fly back to Canada? <laughs> he, like, lived and breathed conflicted version like he he could not deal with conflict and I honestly think that he potentially would have just gone to Canada without telling me (laughs) that's all we've got for you today 
thanks for joining us on All The Frogs. If you liked today's ep, please subscribe, leave us a review wherever you listened and follow us on Insta at allthefrogs underscore podcast. And if you've given one of our tried and tested recs a go, let us know. We'd love to hear about it. And if after this episode you have your own epiphany, send it through to us because we always love to hear your dating disasters. Enjoy the rest of your week, guys. And remember, you've got this. Bye.